Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial Season 3, Episode 26. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. And I'm Laura. I'm Andrew. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Back from England, I have um, very exciting news. But first, Laura, Ooh. you're in the San Antonio this week, huh? I am. I'm out here for a couple of weeks, actually, on a work trip. Um, a cush work trip. I, kn- I know. Mm. Yeah, not complaining. Um but yeah, I've actually been having a really great time out here. It's hot as balls. Um, I'm pretty much refusing to go outside between 10 in the morning and 6 at night. Um, but I've been down like hanging out on the river walk, having margaritas, and enjoying all of the fucking fabulous Tex-Mex there is out here. I actually mm. broke my pescatarian diet and had barbecue the other day and it was fantastic and i shit my brains out for like three hours afterwards but it was awesome um went over and saw the alamo thought it was really weird that there was a jimmy john's and a whataburger right across the street from it but you can't have everything so (laughs) didn't you used to live in texas i did but i lived in the dallas fort worth area which is nowhere near san antonio okay What's what's closer to San Antonio, Austin or Dallas? Austin. Okay. Yeah, I'm actually cool. going there this weekend. I'm taking oh, a, a little a little solo trip up to Austin. I'm really excited. Solo trip? You're going to a city by yourself. You know somebody there? No. You're, I'm just going. So, hmm. Okay. All right. Well, text us updates. Want to make sure you're okay. Independent woman, Andrew. I can do things. <laughs> I don't know. I, I've I've heard things about Austin. I just want you to be careful. Let me know how it is. Okay, looking, we'll do. Look, looking for a place to live. <laughs> I was in England last week, and I am very pleased to announce that I met our listener Kyle. <gasps> yes. Uh, for anybody, quick recap of oh my that. God. Kyle was the one we met. We we matched on Tinder, and then. He wanted to hang out, and I was like, okay, just to be clear, you want to hang out, like, for a date or, like, to fuck? <laughs> because because why would he want to, you know, go out if I'm not living over there? So I wanted to clarify that, and then he replied, and then I ignored him. I ghosted him. And then he, <laughs> turns out he was a millennial listener, emails into the show, and Laura and Elisa surprised me with the email on the show, and it was a great moment. We all loved it. So we'd been talking since then, and um, we decided, uh, so I was coming back to England, and I said, let's hang out. So we met in Oxford Oxford last week, and it went great. I mean, it wasn't a date or anything, but it went great. It was a fun time. He's a wonderful guy, very cute, and we took a picture, posted it on the in the millennial group, and everybody loved it. I'm pretty sure it's the most liked post in the millennial group ever. <laughs> and yeah, so it was it was fun. Andrew, I have to confess, you've been talking for like the past five minutes, and I stopped listening after I heard the words "Kyle is the one." <laughs> I didn't say that. Yeah, you did. What? No, I I'm didn't. pretty sure I heard that too. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> uh, Kyle is the one for me in England. No, he was he was he was a great guy. We had a great conversation. We had a couple of our friends there as well that we're hoping to uh, meet up again once he's over on this continent. So that's that. You know, t- uh, Friday today, I believe the episode's being released is ten years since Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Can you believe it? <laughs> no, I. Feel old as fuck. Yeah, and Laura, I scheduled some great photos for le- for release over on Patreon. Oh, did you? Of you have drunk Laura at a bar <laughs> in London ten years ago this week. I warned <laughs> Laura. I wanted to make sure she knew the pictures were going up because they're a little embarrassing. So 
They're they're private, they're not, but I, I they're not that embarrassing, okay? <laughs> you know, I think they're I think they're pretty. Uh, you look pretty hammered. I'll just put it that way. So I remember these they're going up on Patreon. Yeah, I had to dig deep into my photos app, but God bless Apple, everything's there, even from a decade ago. So I just want to be clear at this at this point in my life, I was a recent high school graduate. I was eighteen. I was in London for the first time and they took me to a pub, the the other muggle boys, and like I proceeded to sit there and drink four pints of some kind of British beer that I don't remember the name of. And yeah, I was I was fucking wasted. I threw up in the bathroom of the pub. I had to be assisted back to our room. I had difficulty getting on the bed. That's how bad it was. <laughs> I don't remember any of that. <laughs> yeah, well, I neither do I. This is what I've been told by the people who assisted me. Oh, I wish I had photos of all that. Damn. Just makes me really glad that I was with like you and Eric and Kevin and Jamie. Like, like none of y'all were gonna rape me. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. One one of us was gay. One of us a uh, one of us was half gay. One of us was asexual. <laughs> Did you guys watch Game of Thrones? I did. Yes. How was it? Because cause I didn't. Uh, oh, Andrew. I don't know if I'm the best person to ask. I've been I've been really disappointed in Game of Thrones for the last two seasons. And this episode really didn't do anything for me. So just going to shut up. I thought it was... I thought it was good-ish. I don't think it was... You know, it was... It wasn't mind-blowing or anything, but to be honest with you, it's the premiere. I don't really expect that. Premieres of any TV series usually are just there to sort of wrap up things um, that that happened in the, in the finale from the season before. So I didn't really expect much more than that. And did a good job of that. Like, it, we saw all the characters. Um, I will say that just, you know, everyone's opinion uh, that... The opening scene, the cold open, was the best scene. Was awesome. I loved that yeah, part. Yeah, it was. I think everyone loved that part. I'm kind of keeping it. I, I'm, I don't want to say what happened because I don't know if it's too early for spoilers or not. But mm-hmm. uh, let's just say Arya Stark goes fucking baller, and that's pretty much one of my favorite parts of the series at this point is watching her just fucking slash people. So that was really cool. I'm excited about the season in general. I think we're going to finally see things come to pass that we've been waiting years for and that book readers have been waiting even longer for. Hashtag winter is here. So Game of Thrones is kind of coming to an end. We have this season and then the next season and then that'll apparently be it. So what are the creators of the most popular show on TV right now going to do next? They announced a new partnership with HBO. David Benioff and D.B. Weiss have a new series coming out called Confederate. And listen to this, ladies. It's going to chronicle the events leading to the Third American Civil War. The series takes place in an alternate timeline where the southern states have successfully seceded from the Union, giving rise to a nation in which slavery remains legal and has evolved into a modern institution this just sounds like a, a ripoff of the confederate states of america which is a a sort of mockumentary about the same exact topic mm-hmm. um i just i'm like why why yeah though? <laughs> like, the show has been getting a lot of backlash because people are very uncomfortable with two white guys creating a show in which slavery is still happening in america and it does seem pretty unsettling like are people really going to want to watch this week to week i'm going to be curious to see because the synopsis kind of hints that it's it it says a modern institution slavery has evolved into a modern institution so like how present day is it exactly like is it like the 2000s i don't it just seems i don't know if i would personally watch this Well, I mean, I hear it and it's like, okay, let's talk about an alternate reality where the South won the Civil War 
and people went on to be, continue being completely uneducated and minorities continued being subjugated. Mm -hmm. Please describe to me how that's different than what we're doing now. Mm. Like it just, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I mean, I do think there's a big difference. Well, there is there. Of course, slavery and today, of course, there's a big difference. But what I'm saying is that then it was slavery. Now it's mass incarcerations. So it's just, I don't really know that it's something that people are going to look at and think like, wow, what a completely different reality from the one that we have now. You know what I mean? I agree, but maybe that's, maybe that's the benefit of the show is people, maybe people will watch it and go, oh shit, this is pretty bad. And yet I see so many parallels between this alternate universe and our own. Maybe we should, maybe that's a wake up call. Maybe that's a wake up call to people. I think like any other show, you have to wait and see it and judge it on its merits, not on its premise. And personally, as a, big history fan and somebody who loves like alternate history fiction and whatever of all sorts, not just American history. Um, I think it sounds pretty cool. I feel like there's a lot of uh, relevant lessons that could be learned from that. That's usually what alternate history is about. So there's a really popular series, a really popular book series on if Hitler had won World War II and that's sort of what that series accomplishes is is telling its readers uh look at what would have happened maybe and how similar and yet dissimilar it is to today's reality um yeah and i think that that's i think that that it can be hugely enlightening uh on a societal level um you can take you can you can garner huge truths and lessons through fiction that you wouldn't otherwise, particularly when it's applied to history. So I think it has potential, but we'll see how they execute it. I get that. Point. I just feel like it's a huge leap because the South was never economically viable without the North. So well, don't bring facts into it like well, that. Well, see, here's here's the problem though. It's like, <laughs> okay, if the South had won it would not exist in any kind of modern sense in the way that they are describing on this show. So whatever. We'll see. I have a millennial. This is a very millennial security warning for everybody. I just want to make sure everybody is safe. It turns out it's really easy for somebody to get into your old MySpace account. And I know, ah, <laughs> MySpace. But we all had MySpace back in the day. Of course, none of us use it anymore. But for some reason, it's super easy to reset somebody's password. All you got to do is know their birthday and then their username and the email address associated with the MySpace account. But those you can discover just by looking at the person's profile page. So I highly recommend everybody, all you millennials out there, Go into your MySpace and delete your account. I did this the other day. It's not like your MySpace account. I was looking like MySpace looks nothing like it once did. And it's missing like all your features, all the old features, including the old inbox. But it still made me uncomfortable knowing that somebody could easily reset my MySpace password. So go and go to MySpace.com and delete that shit. Because right now, it's way too easy for somebody to get into your account. If anybody manages to hack into my MySpace account, can you please just delete it for me? <laughs> because I just don't right. care. I don't even know what... But doesn't oh, it make God. you uncomfortable I, knowing somebody could get into one of your old social media accounts? And do what with it? Who the fuck uses MySpace anymore? I already deleted my MySpace account a while ago, but I remember when I logged in to delete it, it was... Uh, traumatic because I was clear when I created the account I was still clearly in like my high school emo phase so everything was like all black and I had like pink stars in the background and I don't know like crying like fucking kids and like crying emo angels. music and yeah exactly and it was just oh god it was so embarrassing I was like what the 
fuck was I like and how did I manage to have any friends? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk a little politics. We had another interesting week with President Trump. Right, Elisa? Yeah. So this just happened in the past couple of days. President Trump freely admitted on tape, so we have actual fucking audio of it. This isn't fake news. There's actual proof. He admitted that had he known Jeff Sessions would recuse himself from the Russia investigation, he would have picked a different person for attorney general. Um, He goes on to lament that Sessions didn't tell him this up front and goes into this whole tirade about how it was unfair to him. Like, as though Jeff Sessions is... Is, is Trump's personal lawyer and should have loyalty to him or something, completely forgetting that the attorney general is sort of like the people's lawyer, like the top law enforcement officer. Um, but it was, it was so, it's so damning. Uh, and I think we have some, I think I want to play the audio for you guys. Sessions gets the job. Right after he gets the job, he recuses himself. Was that a mistake? Well... Session should have never recused himself. And if he would, if he was going to recuse himself, he should have told me before he took the job and I would have picked somebody else. Mm-hmm. He gave you no heads up at all in any sense. Zero. Okay. So Jeff Sessions takes the job, gets into the job, recuses himself. I then have, uh, which, which frankly, I think is very unfair to the president. How do you take a job and then recuse yourself? If he would have recused himself before the job, I would have said, thanks, Jeff, but I can't, you know, I'm not going to take you. It's extremely unfair, and that's a mild word to the president. So he recuses himself. I then end up with a second man who's a deputy. He sounds so different when he's just in an environment setting that's not on camera. He sounds tired. Uh Yeah. So unfair, he says. It's so unfair to the president. Let's be, let's, let's just call this like it is. This is the president of the United States freely telling the world, the American people, that he values personal loyalty above the rule of law. And more importantly, this should be a huge fucking red herring to everyone because it is him admitting that he chooses members of his cabinet based off of who he thinks will help him end the Russia investigation, and that that is just as much, if not more so, of a deciding factor as their, you know, qualifications. That, that, I, I, I've never in my life imagined that we would reach a point where not only is the president doing the sorts of things that he's doing, but then just telling us outright, yeah, I'm trying to cover it up. And if Sessions had told me beforehand that he wasn't going to help me cover it up, I would have picked a different guy. Like, what? What universe is this? I mean, are we surprised? I know, that's I'm not at all. Yeah. He also had some pretty bonkers... I mean, the whole interview is really all over the place, as usual. And by the way, this was an interview, I think, <clears throat> a good hour in the Oval Office with the New York Times. And it always cracks me up when he ends up... Look, I'm glad he agreed to speak to the New York Times in this sort of setting, where it's a few of their reporters against him. But it also cracks me up because it's like, you shit on the New York Times all the time. If they're fake news, why are you giving them interviews like this? I'm sure it's so, because... He has all his he has all of his his counsel telling him that he has to become more presidential and more mainstream. And this would be the way to do it. He needs to stop just giving all of his interviews to fucking Breitbart and start talking to the American people through the more normal accepted channels. Um, but this is what happens when he does that. So, you know, you can't kind of can't win. Yeah. Here's here's the other thing though, guys. Is right after the, the, he finished this interview with the New York Times, 
he told his his staff who were there with him, I thought that went really well. He was super stoked about it. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like he walked out, he was like, I'm glad we did that. You know, I'm glad we did that. I feel good about it. It went well. And it good. wasn't until they got like in the motorcade to leave that the staff were like, dude, like Mr. President, you done real fucked up now. And he yeah. he really didn't get it, which is just sort of lends more credence to the idea that, you know, maybe maybe some of the things that he says and does aren't out of malice. Maybe he truly is just that stupid. I don't think it matters in the end. It's damaging for the country either way, but he has proven himself to be a moron of the highest caliber. And I mean that sincerely. I'm not even being flippant. I think he is, has the IQ of a jar of mayonnaise. He truly does. Uh-huh. Like I said, this, this interview is just bonkers with absurd remarks. One that's really been getting a lot of attention, and this will pivot nicely into our next news item he had some new comments on healthcare, and it looks like he just does not understand the simple cost of health insurance. He said, quote, As they get something, it gets tougher, because politically, you can't give it away. So pre-existing conditions are a tough deal, because you are basically saying from the moment the insurance, you're 21, 21 years old, you start working, and you're paying $12 a year for insurance... And by the time you're 70, you get a nice plan. Here's something where you walk up and say, I want my insurance. It's a very tough deal, but it is something that we're doing a good job of, end quote. So besides the fact that like this whole paragraph doesn't really make much sense (laughs) at all, (laughs) structurally, he seems to think that health insurance costs $12 a year. And let's say he misspoke. Let's say he meant... $12 $12 a month. That's still way off. <laughs> yeah, that's what still a pipe dream. <laughs> <laughs> Some people have speculated that, you know how he watches a lot of cable news. Maybe he's watching these commercials for life insurance, which usually <laughs> are cheap, dirt cheap, like $12 right. a, a month or year or something. <laughs> that could be the only excuse. But it, But this goes back to, and Laura, I think you'll handle this part of the discussion now. The part, part one reason why he can't get anything done with health healthcare is because not only is he not trying hard, he doesn't understand it himself. Right, um, as evidenced by the fact that he's turned around following the most recent Obamacare repeal failure in the Senate and said, "We're just gonna we're just gonna try and repeal it now. No replacement. We're, we're just gonna try and repeal it." Um, but before we get to that, we do have to talk about the fact that Obamacare does live for the meantime. Um, so earlier this week in yet another attempt to repeal and replace, uh, this of course fell flat on its face in the Senate after, was it four senators in total came out four Republican senators rather came out against the bill. Yeah, that's right. The funny thing about this is that Trump immediately comes out and blames Democrats for obstructing. He says it's Democrats that are obstructing this. Democrats are ruling the Senate, he said. When Democrats don't even make up enough of the Senate to get anything passed on their own. If only the Republicans could have all gotten in line behind this, they could have passed it no problem. But it was never going to happen. So this was this was another horrific moment. And I think we're probably in that position where we'll just let Obamacare fail. Uh, we're not going to own it. I'm not going to own it. I can tell you the Republicans are not going to own it. We'll let Obamacare fail. And then the Democrats are going to come to us and they're going to say, how do we fix it? How do we fix it? Or how do we come up with a new plan? So two things that bother me about this first of all and this this is a running theme with him he wants to see the american healthcare system fail does he yep. want to see americans die why I, I was disappointed in the new york times for not pressing him for something like that that seems like a really really obvious question to be asking him right now because he repeats that so many times let it fail so the democrats come to us and second of all he is he he he's blaming the democrats 
when he controls all three branches of government right now. What the fuck? Yeah, Republicans literally control everything and they can't pass their own damn bill. And to answer your question, Andrew, the, the reason why he and the Republicans want Obamacare to fail is because they don't care about the American people. They care about scoring political points. And the Republican Party has spent the last eight years running on a platform of Obamacare repeal. They have absolutely nothing to show for the last two presidential terms, except for sitting around and saying no, and saying we're going to try and repeal Obamacare 70 some odd times. And now that they're in control of everything, they can't even do it. Remember when they tried to repeal it 60 times while Obama was in office? (laughs) (laughs) And now they have the chance and they still can't. And they still can't. (laughs) It's like, it's, it's, they're so impotent, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's scary to watch him say in that same clip that I just played further on when he's trying to defend everything that happened, he's complaining. He's like, oh, we got 48 votes or 46 votes or whatever they, we got. And that wasn't enough, but that should be enough. Why is that not enough? Because that's how it works, asshole. Because, yeah, it's yeah. not a majority of anything. And right. I don't know if you can count to 100, but <laughs> there are 100 senators. <laughs> so there's that. I, I, it, it does, it, two things disturb me most about this. Uh, it, one, I won't own it. His refusal to even humor the idea that if something goes awry with the healthcare system, that, that he's at fault or culpable in any way. That's really rich coming from a guy who blamed Obama for everything under the sun, from gas prices to housing markets. All of that was Obama's fault. But, and yet, uh, and, and Obama, by the way, was working with um, Congress that was not favorable to him putting that light, lightly. But, but Trump now won't own something that actually he should own, that he ran on and that he should have the numbers for. I'm very grateful that he doesn't have the numbers for it. But by all rights, he ought, this ought to be something he owns. The second thing is that, like you said, why does he seem to be so complacent about Americans' lives? If there is one thing that our commander-in-chief should care about, it's Americans' lives. And that doesn't seem to be either he doesn't care or he isn't making the very obvious connection between healthcare and Americans' lives. Those are the only two options, apathy or stupidity. There is no option C. It's because he just wants to win. That's well, all, he, I mean, all he ever wants to do. Lisa, if Americans can't spare $12 a year for their health care, then yeah. I don't really know what to do for them. I mean, that is a good point. We should all pay $12 a year for health care. <laughs> Single payer! You can do that, Mr. Trump! Let's move on to our next story here. We spoke about a really bad story a couple months ago. United Airlines caught on video one of their uh, passengers getting was got got dragged off a plane. It was really horrific. The guy was bleeding. It went viral. It brought up a whole conversation about being how we're treated on airlines these days. And many people were like, oh, I'm going to boycott United. Fuck them. I'm never flying United again. That's what we all say on Twitter when we get frustrated with an airline. I'm never flying X, Y, and Z ever again. They suck balls. Peace. So how's that boycott going? Well, United announced their uh, their most recent profits, and, well, they were up 39% compared to uh, <laughs> last year. So <laughs> sales rose as well, and uh, more as more customers book flights with the carrier amid rising demand for air service overall. Laura, you boycotted them. Who did you fly to get to San Antonio? Delta. Oh, I wish it was United. That would have been so great. Because <laughs> <laughs> you I were mean, the one Oscar, on he, that episode. You were like, I'll never fly United again. Wait, wait, wait. wait. That, that was Elisa. I, was I just, thought it was you too. I mean, I may have said something in passing, but I haven't like had you know a formal boycott of the airline. 
Oh, I see. I don't know if it was What's me a- because I have a United Frequent Flyer account with a shitload of miles, <laughs> so I will definitely be flying them again. Okay, maybe it was less about not flying United and more about being sure to wear obnoxiously tight leggings on United. Yes. Oh, yeah, I did say that. I did say that. So I'm actually going to be, I think I'm going to be flying United to go over to the UK uh, in in the spring, next spring, because a friend of mine's having a baby. So I think I'll be flying United then, and I'll I'll take some pictures uh, for the show <laughs> for you guys. I, I'm going to just, like, basically be a stripper for a day and just see, like, what can I get away with. <laughs> Really push that envelope. Hopefully make the news. It'll be a good plug for Millennial. Um, yeah. I think, I honestly, I don't care. I mean, realistically, no one really had to, no one really thought that United was going to, like, lose their Customers. their share of the market over this, right? Like, that's, I, I don't think that yeah. that was the goal. I, I hope that wasn't the goal because then... There's more morons out there besides Donald Trump. But I do think that that boycotting, even temporarily, does affect change. I mean, their policies change dramatically after the fallout from from that beating, basically. And they lost a bunch of stock, and it was a whole to-do for them. So, you know, I think it was still worth it. And here's a little positive news on that note, actually. Involuntary bumpings are down 85%. At United, so clearly they have changed their policies. We did it. They appear to now being they ne- they now let people stay on flights that they purchased. Good job. That's really nice. All right. Well, that's it for the news that everybody knows about. But what's hiding from us behind yeah. Anderson Cooper's gorgeous blue eyes? <laughs> so this week's hidden from the headline story is not a story that's necessarily been hidden from the headlines. But it's certainly been hidden from discussions in the headlines. Uh, Earth has entered its sixth mass extinction. To put that in perspective for you, the fifth mass extinction is what killed the dinosaurs. So (laughs) buckle up, guys. (laughs) What's dying this time? Um, Us. Oh. (laughs) If only. So researchers at Stanford and uh, the Universidad Nacional Autónoma de México researched Earth's vertebrate population and described their findings, like literally the title of their article describes their findings as biological annihilation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In in their findings... They found that 32% of the vertebrate species on Earth studied, and they studied something like 8,000 species, um, are decreasing in both population and geographic range. So not only are populations shrinking, but the areas that we can occupy are also shrinking. And that's going to be due to things like global warming that are making certain areas completely inhabitable. Um, for the record, and those of you who may not realize it, humans are vertebrates. Um, also, uh, <laughs> also affecting us, more than 40% of mammals are undergoing, quote, severe population declines. Yeah. That doesn't sound I good. I really hope that humanity dies out, to be honest with you. I, I really think we need to. I think that we've been a bad thing for Earth. I think that Earth needs to be like, okay, it's time. Let's enter the sixth need- extinction. Yeah. It it is a good time for a reboot, I think. Can we just like can can Laura and I be Adam and Eve and everybody else die and we'll just start over again? Yes, but I everybody don't will be gay, humanity. love Bruce Springsteen, um, hate United. <laughs> Um, and here's, here's my favorite takeaway from this study that, of course, among, there are many causes for mass extinctions, things like disease and food shortages and things like that. But the two major causes cited were human overpopulation and overconsumption. And 
when they talked about overconsumption, they said especially by the rich. Overconsumption of what? Resources? Resources. Resources. Yeah. Food, energy, all of the above. Okay. Sounds like global warming to me. So here's my thing. And, and this is this sort of goes back to when we were talking about the Paris Accords, right? Um, the whole point behind the Paris Accords is that we're getting very, very close to the brink of no return. If we don't start backpedaling now, it's going to get to the point where nothing that we do is going to fix this. And now that we have scientists saying like, hey, we have... We're not like looking at the sixth mass extinction. It's not like a hundred years away. It's starting right now. Do yeah. we come back from this or is this just it? Should we just like, <sighs> should we just say fuck it and just live our best lives and know that after the earth eradicates us, it will come back stronger? Hmm. See, here's the thing: is that if that if I were, were sure of that, then I'd say yes. Like, let's just you know, fuck it. You know, well, the Earth will be okay. I just don't think that that's the case. I think that the difference between this mass extinction and and previous mass extinctions is is humanity. I think that, uh. as you said, we are we're the cause of it, and I think that we'll exacerbate it to the point where we'll take everything else down with us. Like, there's no way that we're going to convince the billions of people on the planet, hey, you know, just take with a grain of salt. We're all going to die someday anyway. Just, you know, chill out and be cool. If, it, if and when, not if, it really is when, when it gets bad enough that people start dying en, en masse, like, you know, famines, the likes of which we have never seen, when that starts to happen, humanity will panic Wars will break out. Um, fight for resources will will escalate to the point of God only knows what, and we will demolish this planet in an attempt to elongate our own survival. I think we'll take out every fucking species with us because that's who we are. My this my dearest hope is that I just wake up someday. Or just don't wake up someday. All humans are dead. Just dead. Every single one. Now, we go out peacefully in our sleep. You know, I'm not, I'm not all about that suffering. But it'd be nice if, like, humanity just died off. And let, like, the dogs rule the earth for a little while. You know? Like, they deserve it. I know. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with you. And to a certain degree, I sometimes wonder if the earth isn't already trying to eradicate us. It's like, well, fuck, like these people are fucking up all my shit. Let's, uh, let's turn up the temperature and start flooding their lives. The fuck yeah. out of here. Yeah. Well, and that Malaysian airlines flight too. That was, that was earth's way of starting to get rid of us. That's just the beginning. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to take down all the planes. <laughs> <laughs> that was a gift to CNN oh and God. nobody else. <laughs> I just, th I just still think we just need reboot, reboot life, reboot Earth. Ah, oh, that feels good. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh. Andrew Let's has a tiny, Andrew has a tiny orgasm every time the old school Mac startup sound <laughs> comes on. I do. That's my alarm clock. Just one Mac <laughs> chime. Dung. <laughs> Here's a familiar sound. Surprise! Surprise, bitch! Today we're going to call somebody. We're going in order of this list. And we're going to call Chloe in hey. Texas. How about that? Chloe. wonder if she's in San it, Antonio. She's not. She's in Houston. Well, fuck. Well, <laughs> potato, potato. Don't have anything to anyone to hang out with. Need somebody to protect you in Austin. What do you hear about Austin? Uh, Austin's a great city. I've been there before. I don't want to tell you because I don't want to scare you. You have reached the voicemail box of 4357. At the tone, please record your voice message. When you are finished recording, you may hang up or press pound for more options. Chloe, 
surprise, bitch, it's millennial. Do you know the world is ending? We literally just started our sixth mass extinction. You can't even pick up the phone? Jesus. This she is it. We could, all, we could all be dead tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Laura's in Texas and she needs a friend. And we were hoping you'd be able to help out. I know. Wink, I don't wink. have any friends. So. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> yeah, okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. So what is it that you don't want to tell me about Austin? Come on, tell me. Oh, I don't know. I'm just vamping. I <laughs> There's oh. nothing wrong with Austin. Oh, okay. I thought you were about to tell me some really scary shit. No, no. I've, I've, have you been to Austin before? Yeah. No. Yeah, it's a good city. Yeah, I like Austin. I actually have... I'm going to put you on assignment. I have, and I'm dead serious about this, I have an Instagram crush uh-huh. who lives in Austin. And he, okay. I, he, I used to go to school with him, but he was straight back then, so I never got had my, uh, had my chance. Oh, and I was dating Matt, so there was that problem too. But now I'm <laughs> single and he's out, and you're going to be in Austin. I think we can make something happen here. So like his he, name's Jared. He and I are Look gonna get him. together and bang. Is that what you're saying? No, no. And he's really hot, so don't get any ideas. <laughs> but I stalk him on Instagram, and uh, yeah, okay, make that work. Okay, so I'll we'll just a- walk around <laughs> and be like, "Do you know Jason? Hey, do you, do you Jared, know Jason? Is Jared? Jared? Sorry, you know Jared? I actually know where he works. He works at a brewery. So I, you know, how I'm good at stalking people on Facebook. This oh, is I, I know. So I need you to go to this brewery and mm-hmm. ask for him and then tell him I want to marry him. Okay. I will. According to his Facebook, he appears to be in a relationship, but I don't care. Wow. Okay. So we have a couple AP choice entries now. These are from people who support us at the Facebook official level over at patreon.com slash millennial. This first one's from Clinton. Not the Hillary one. I've been wondering personally for a while now how Americans idolize some of the forefathers from revolutionary times who were slave owners. I understand the selfless risk and great triumphs they achieved. Uh, No, it was win or die. I ask because as a Canadian, I can't wrap my head around them being idolized, even though they were people who also thought it was okay to own slaves. How does fighting for your own freedom cancel out denying others theirs? Since it's been on my mind as I study American history, I would love some insight. If it's too heavy to unpack, don't worry, LOL. <laughs> but I, I wanted to include this one because, Elisa, I feel like you'll have a good answer for this. I think the answer is, um, and, and this, is, this is pretty nerdy, it's something that I like to, to use as an analogy, though. The answer for what makes the Founding Fathers so um, so deserving of, of being idolized it's sort of the same reason that I think Dumbledore is so worthy of being idolized. I, I know that sounds crazy, but bear with me. You know, we, we read it, we read through the whole Harry Potter series and Dumbledore was sort of like this, this paragon of virtue. And he was all that was right and just in the wizarding world. And if there was going to be a problem, you knew that he would have some sort of answer or solution and, and that he, he was just wise and then you get to the fucking end, and that asshole used to be a psychopath, and he was all, and he was like working with like Grindelwald, and like you learn the dark, sordid history of his past, and you realize that he was a hugely flawed character, a hypocrite, somebody who did not always practice what they preached, and in fact was part of the very movement that was basically an analogy for, you know, Nazism. That was Dumbledore. And yet we all still seem to love him. And the reason I think is because when you discover that an incredible human who did incredible things was just like us and had deep, profound flaws, um, that it makes, it makes accomplishment in general feel, uh, more gettable like you can do it too like it's not something that's that that victory and and wisdom is not something that's reserved for a class of human being above and beyond us that we have to be our own heroes 
And people like Dumbledore or like Thomas Jefferson and John Adams, I think, teach us that. Uh, they were horrible people. They were also great people. And so are we. It's just like J.K. Rowling said, we all have like the light and dark inside of us. It's just a matter of which one you act on. I think that that the Founding Fathers were great examples of that. Sometimes their, their terribleness was exaggerated and more profound than ours is through, for instance, owning slaves. But their goodness was also exaggerated and more profound than ours through, you know, founding a country based on freedom, equality, and liberty. And they didn't always practice what they preached, but that's what makes them so... That's kind of what makes them so intriguing. That was a great answer. I knew you would have a good yeah, answer. I agree. I think we just need to be able to accept multiple truths. Like Elisa was saying, like Thomas Jefferson, for example, can be an incredibly enlightened figure. Probably like one of the most amazing writers to ever live. He can be the person who set the stage for what, American equality would eventually look like, even though it didn't get there in his lifetime. But it's still also true that he sucked. Exactly. Oh, absolutely. And I think that people who idolize the Founding Fathers need to stop doing that blindly and, and, and freely discuss all their flaws. And I think that the people who want to tear down every statue of, of George Washington and Thomas Jefferson need to get a life and realize that they deserve some recognition there's there there is a middle ground there and the last thing i would say too in addition is that if we only studied and idolized those who were flawless we would study and idolize no one at all some of the greatest figures in history that we all look up to had just as profound problems and hypocrisies we just don't know about them mother Teresa was a huge bigot she went, I mean, she, she went around and, and gave of herself and sacrificed a lot and was an incredible woman, but she was very, uh, bigoted towards certain minority groups, particularly certain religious minority groups. She freely talked about that. Most people don't know that, but we idolize her no problem. Helen Keller was a psycho communist who legitimately tried to suggest that we tear down the American government and institute socialism. And I don't mean the fun Bernie Sanders kind either. So, and we idolize her <laughs> all the time. So everyone throughout history has had huge hypocrisies and they should be recognized. That doesn't mean that, that they didn't accomplish huge things. You can love and idolize the accomplishments that lived on past the person without necessarily wanting to emanate the human themselves. Here, here. Here, here, indeed. This next one's from Grace. Favorite female creators? Besides J.K. Rowling, obviously. Singers, poets, writers, actors, whatever. Just looking to enjoy more things created by women. And thought Lauren and Elisa in particular might have some great suggestions. My favorite female creators are Lauren and Elisa. Oh, shucks. Mm-hmm. You. Me too. Such and such. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, I wish, I wish I had come prepared for this because I could probably come up with a list of things better than I could like think of things off the top of my head. I'll give you a couple female authors I really like. They're in the YA area. Becky Albertalli. She wrote Simon and the Homo Sapiens Agenda. That's a really good book. Um, Rainbow Roll. You probably know of her. She wrote Fangirl, an excellent book. She also wrote Attachments, Carry On landline i'm sure there's i'm trying to think of like a female comedian i really like i like amy schumer one of the first people that comes to mind for me is janice joplin because she was just she really pioneered like the female voice in rock music and it was pretty you know it was not commonplace at all and she experienced a boatload of sexism and and what have you but she did it you know and like and she sort of the mold of that, that, that we know today. People like Gwen Stefani and uh, Paramore, those artists exist because Janis Joplin paved the way for them. So uh, love her. Weirdly enough, I actually think of Madeline Langle from who, who wrote 
um, oh, a, a Wrinkle in Time. A Wrinkle in Time is an incredible book, and it's what got me into fantasy. So that's what I think of too. Did you see the trailer for the new movie? Yes. Yes. <laughs> did you like it? I did. I I love everything about it except for Oprah. <laughs> Oprah oh, being no. in movies. She it's not it's not that she's even bad. It's it really isn't. It is just because I actually loved the Oprah show. I watched it all the time. So when I see her on screen, <laughs> I can't see anything but like you get a car. And I'm like, no, it takes me out of the element. It takes me out of the movie. But otherwise, it was great. Thanks to our Facebook official members over at Patreon. All right, so that does it for this week's episode. Oh, actually, I have one more suggestion for AP Choice. Women are kind of killing it right now in music. Demi Lovato has a great new song out right now called Sorry Not Sorry. And Kesha is coming back strong Uh, She released that new song called Prayin'. Did you guys hear this song? It's really good. Yeah, I did. Okay, so so this is from her new album. She also released another song called Woman. And I was singing this song when you were talking about how you were going to go to um, Austin. You were like, I'm an independent woman. This is an anthem. The chorus goes, I'm a motherfucking woman. So, um, continue playing this. So, thanks everybody for listening. Please do visit millennialshow.com. Get all the information you need about the show. Please join the Facebook group and like the photo of me and Kyle. It's the most liked photo ever. And I really need everybody to continue liking it. With every like, we get closer to marriage. If we, <laughs> if we get 1,000 likes... If we get 1,000 likes, we're going to get married. You know how people do these dumb social media things? <laughs> if I get this many likes, my teacher's going to give me an A on my exam. <laughs> one like equals one prayer. <laughs> right. And we appreciate your support over on Patreon. Patreon.com slash millennial is helping keep this show going and coming up on after dark today we're going to take a couple voicemails we're going to talk about john mccain who has fallen seriously ill uh really sad story but uh, we're going to talk about that for a little bit and also talk about warren buffett donating a ton of money to charity and we are going to talk about we're going to play devil's advocate and we're going to argue against giving to charity because <laughs> apparently we want to be evil <laughs> <laughs> that was Elisa's idea. She's terrible. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. And I'm Laura. See everybody next time. Goodbye. In my Cadillac. Girls in the front. Boys in the back. Lucy has a goosey. And we're looking for some fun. Kesha's back.